2 Thessalonians 2, 1 and 2. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that's soon? Yeah. And our gathering together with him, either the rapture or when you draw your last breath, we ask you, Paul's saying, we ask you not, you see that in yellow, bolden, underline? We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word, what's the word come from? People, news, media, outlets, or by a letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Luke 21, as I've already mentioned, is the only one of the three gospels that mentions the pestilences and plagues. The others talk about the earthquakes and, and wars and rumors of wars and all that kind of stuff. So in 2 Thessalonians 2.2, 2, Paul wrote to the believers of his time because there was much fear. They were under persecution. They were, they were living with the hope that Jesus would return soon, but they're like us. They were waiting, and he hadn't come yet. So they were living under that persecution. They were living on, under a lot of fear. They were li living under people with, that gave false words that told them the Lord had already come, and they'd missed it, missed the Lord's coming. That'd be a bummer, wouldn't it, to, to believe that? So he wrote to these letters to the believers, and he writes to us warning them about the events that would occur before the coming of the Lord. They were expecting the coming of the Lord just like you and I are expecting the coming of the Lord. I hope you're expecting the coming of the Lord because those that look for him will purify their hearts. Amen. That's scripture. Somebody have to look up where it is. It just kind of floated up. Paul wanted to prepare those believers and he wants to prepare us. Thank God for the written word. He wants to prepare us so that these major events that are happening worldwide would not take them off guard and throw them into a state of panic. Would you say that's where we are today? The world is? They're in a state of panic. You can't fly and then now they're even thinking about banning domestic flight. We got a vacation at the end of this month. Planned. Paid for. Flying towards hands. He knows we need it. It's in his hands. So he wanted to prepare them. Paul told them, do not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by a spirit, the devil, or a false prophet, or by a word, or by a letter as if from us at the day of Christ is at hand. That phrase, soon shaken. What it means literally in the Greek, and I don't try to throw a lot of Greek at you. I don't give you the Greek word because, okay, I, I don't know Greek, but there's, an, like I said last week, there's enough studies out there that you don't have to have taken the Greek and gone through what the Lord told me. I didn't have to go through when I was in Bible school, but you can, you can understand what the Greek says. The soon shaken means in the Greek quickly, suddenly, or hastily. Soon shaken. You don't have to be quickly, suddenly, or hastily shaken. The word shaken simply means in Greek to shake, to waver, shake to the point of waver, to totter, meaning topple it over, or to be moved. Paul is telling us, don't be so suddenly, quickly, caught off guard, shaken, tottering over your faith. Now, people's faith is like, and I don't mean this, in, I, don't, I do not mean this mean, but I do mean it. Things like this show where people's real faith is. Either man's word or the word of the Lord. And that's really the heart of this message. Is your faith in the word of man? Or whose report are you going to believe? The Lord's report? Hopefully you choose the Lord's report. You're wise if you choose the Lord's report. So the tense, meaning the, 
the grammatical tense used in these Greek words, it points to these last day events that they could result in shock and alarm. Well, that's how you would describe it right now, isn't it? The Greek tense also suggests or strongly suggests it's a devastating occurrence or a sequence, sequence, meaning not one, but a sequence of a strung together events that uh, devastating occurrence is so dramatic that they're going to throw the world into a state of shock and distress. Jesus called it this in Matthew 24. He said, when you see all these things, don't be, he said, don't be distressed. He said, but lift up your head. He said, these are but the beginning of sorrows. That's where I believe we are. I believe we're in the beginnings of these sorrows. Now, this is not good news, but it's truth. It's going to get worse. That's why I've been telling you for years, that's why we must get stronger. If you're living with the illusion that things on planet Earth, the government or something, someone is going to work things out and we're going to have peace in this world, you're living in a false illusion. It's hoped, wish to God, pray to God it would, but according to everything the Constitution of the Kingdom says, it's not. Until Jesus Christ, Yeshua, steps his foot on planet Earth with us riding on those horses, yeehaw is not going to have peace. Then there'll be a thousand years of his millennial reign, peace on earth. The devil's locked away. The false prophet, the beast, is locked away. Glory to God. But then after that thousand years, they're released to one more time make war on the Christ and his saints. And there will be literally people that live through that period, survive the tribulation, Alive in the period of the thousand-year reign of Christ, there will be people at that time that choose to rebel and, and try to overthrow the Christ in us as his saints. After all that, after a thousand years of being made with a rod of iron to live right, they'll rebel. Can you believe that? How? I mean, stupid is not even the right word. How, how hard-hearted, rebellious, just totally blind, deceived. Wow. But that's the end. The Lord puts a, an immediate final end to them. And the, 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 then, then the devil, the false beast, the prophet, and even those that are uh, rebel against the Lord, they're cast into the lake of fire. Wow. Jesus told those events. He said, these are just the beginning of sorrows. But then he gave good news. He gave the reality news. But then he said, but you that are my people, lift up your head. For your redemption's drawing nigh, getting closer. That's where you and I are now. We're at the beginning of sorrows. It's going to get worse. You and I must get stronger. And he tells us, lift up your head. Don't be downcast. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't be negative. Lift up your head. It's signs. It's proof. Everything you and I see going on around us. No matter what the virus, plague, pestilence, no matter what governments do, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how, what the rise in drug addiction is, lift up your head. Your redemption's closer. These are all just signs, evidences pointing that Jesus is soon to come back. 
And people need to get their life together. That's what we're praying and, and believing for them. By using those words, soon shaken, Paul was urging the first century believers and you and I here today to resist, to resist, to resist. You talk about resistance movement. You and I need to be leaders of a resistance movement to resist the spirit of fear. To resist the spirit of the world that's trying to overtake us, trying to get us to react and act like the world, the carnal, the, the fleshly people. So he said his message to them was, and to us is resist being easily shaken up by the events that are going to occur just before Jesus' coming. He was particularly careful to mention that we must not be soon shaken in our mind. Now, I love word studies in Scripture because it makes it understandable. It, it brings revelation and insight out of it. The second point today, the Greek word for mind, it describes everything in the realm of the intellect, including one's will, emotions, and ability to think, reason, and decide. And I found these statements, and, and some of them I have in my phone calendar, and they come up every day to remind me. Some of them I got off the wall at Mission Barbecue. I mean, it's not about food. It's good statements about living right. And it's, it's oh, what, I'm going to get in trouble. I don't have my phone. It's over there, and I'm not going to do that. But I got enough to try to minister. But here's one of it. It didn't come up from the wall of Mission Barbecue, but it says, whoever and whatever controls a person's mind ultimately has the power to dictate the affairs and outcome of that person's life. Did you hear that? Whatever you allow to control, whoever or whatever you allow to control your mind will ultimately have the power to dictate the affairs or the outcome of your life. Wow. Then what, this, this one's in the phone. Whatever captures your attention shapes your belief system. Whatever captures, keeps, attracts your attention that you focus on, that's what shapes your belief system. That's why you better be picking the right people to hang around with. You better be reading the right things, looking at the right things. Let your eyes look upon the right things. You better be doing the right things, feeding yourself the right thing because it feeds your spirit. And that's, what, that's how we're going to get stronger. You can't compromise with the world. You can't live, as they say, with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. It doesn't work. You're the half-hearted Christian that Jesus says in, in the book of Revelation because you're not hot and because you're not cold, you're lukewarm. I'll spit you, vomit you out of my mouth. He'd rather we just not serve him at all than to play a game at it. Jesus is not into playing church. He wants us to be totally dedicated to him, hot for him. So if you allow your mind to be filled with panic or fear, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be putting fear in charge of your life. You're going to be afraid to touch the doorknob. You're going to be afraid of, of this, that, and there. You're going to be afraid you're going to live in fear. Paul encourages us. The Holy Spirit encourages us. Jesus himself encourages us. Remain in peace regardless of the tumultuous events that are transpiring around us. And he urges us not to allow fear. It takes a decisive decision not to allow fear to rule you from these shocking events and stressful events that are happening to penetrate your heart, your will, and your emotion. It takes a determination. No, I'm not going there. The devil will put scenarios in your mind every day, even without coronavirus. The devil will put scenarios in your mind. Well, I've got this little, man, I, don't, I feel a new pain in my body. I wonder if that's cancer. You think that came from Jesus? That comes from the pit. And your doctor may verify it, and your doctor may, and I'm not against medical. I'm not against doctors. Be careful what you let into your mind. 
Be careful what you let tumble around in there, <laughs> cycle around in there, because it will begin and it'll end up controlling you. Proverbs 3, again, back to that chapter, one of my many favorite verses in Scripture, Proverbs 3, 25 through 26, says, Be not afraid of sudden terror. Isn't that good? That's God's word. Be not afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. It said when it comes. It didn't say if it comes. It said when it comes. It's going to come. It said not if, but when. Don't be afraid of trouble from the wicked. For the Lord, for the Lord, for the Lord, for the Lord will be your confidence. If you meditate on him, if you abide in him, but if you let that fear in him, the world, the enemy, the flesh is going to be your confidence. And that is a broken thing to lean on. He'll not only be your confidence, but he'll keep your foot from being caught. It pictures a snare, a trap. If you put your confidence in the Lord, if you are not afraid of sudden terror, you're not afraid of trouble from the wicked, that the Lord's your confidence, he'll keep you from getting trapped. He'll keep you from falling in the ditch where everybody else seems to be going because it's easy. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many will be that go therein. Why? It's, it's the easier route. He said, but straight and narrow, few will be those that find it. Why? It's more difficult. It requires some diligence. It requires some focus. It requires some determination. It requires intentionality to live the Christian life. Oh, it's not easy. But oh, the rewards are very well worth it. These are the days that we read about, as Celery said in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. And then the book of Revelation in last days, which is the beginning of sorrows. Either we believe God in his word or we don't. That's that simple. Either you and I are going to believe God's word and practice it and apply it, or we don't. And it's the time when the faithful are going to be kept and preserved, because God said so. And it's while the unfaithful and the unbelieving, what's going to happen to them? They're going to fall away. Do you realize in those scriptures that Jesus gave, Matthew, Mark, Luke, he said, before the coming of the Son of Man, there will be a great falling away. Well, you've, got, you've had to have been following him before there can be a following away. I know that sounds simple, but it's not talking about those that don't know him. It's talking about those that have once known him and followed him, that there will be a great falling away. Listen, there's people, there's pastors, there's ministers getting out of the ministry because they can't take it anymore. And there's people, there's Christians that are saying, I can't take it anymore. I can't take the persecution. I can't take the pressure. I, I don't want to live the godly life. And they're falling away. It's happening now. And it's one of those things. It's going to continue to happen. So what you and I have got to do is you and I have got to get stronger and make up our mind. Listen, I had to say this. And if you've heard my story before, I had to say this as a baby Christian. The very two couples that were instrumental to lead me to the Lord Quit following the Lord. I did not have a family to encourage me to follow the Lord. They didn't understand me. They would have rather me been doing the drugs and the things I was doing than this radical, freaky Christian. Jesus and church and Bible. They're going, what happened to our carnal, worldly, drug-addicted son? He's turned into a crazy Christian. 
And I had to make up my mind, if nobody else goes, I'm going. I'm going to follow Jesus because I know what he did for me. And you, listen, you got to make up your mind and you got to stick to it. And it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Paul went on to say this third thing I want to say to you, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. I don't doubt there's folks watching us or you're sitting here or people hear this. We're troubled by it. Yes, I'm troubled by it. I'm troubled by the way the world is. I'm troubled by the, the level of evil that is in the world. It troubles me. It should. It troubles us to the point that we're going to pray and we're going to fast for this nation. Oh, pastor, why do you even bother anymore? Why do you even bother to try and encourage us? We've done all that. There's no change. Listen, we've got to occupy until he comes. We have to occupy. That means do kingdom business until he comes. That means until he comes and takes you out of this world and you go home to be with him or he snatches us all up. We've got to occupy. We've got to do kingdom business. It's not hold the fort mentality. Well, let's just hang on, you know, and ride this thing out. It'll, it, it's going to get over one day, you know, or I may die before it does. But, you know, let's just hang on. That's not what he's called us to do is just hold the fort. He's called us to attack hell. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us as his church. Well, pastor, we're getting beat up. We're getting beat up in Virginia. They're reversing all kinds of good laws that protect people against abortions and, and, and equal rights amendments and all this other evil stuff. They, they've reversed the laws. Yes, they have, but they're not the final word in Jesus' name. I respect them, but we, I will not. I don't know what you're going to do, but I've made up my mind. I'm not going to obey them when their laws and their word contradict what this word says to do. I'm not trying to act mean and bold today, but listen, I'm going to stand like Acts chapter 4 did or 3 did when the disciples were brought in and they were beaten and they were threatened. No, preach the word. Don't teach anymore in this name of Jesus. And their answer was, we can but say and do what we've seen and we've heard and we will obey God rather than man. Put it on record this morning. Pastor, why don't you say that? Because Jesus told me if I'm ashamed of him in this sinful, adulterous generation, he'll be ashamed to confess me before the Father and the angels in heaven. I'm not trying to be bold. I'm not trying to be a martyr today. But if I have, if I have to die for him, he's got to give me the grace and the courage and the guts to do it. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not courageous. I'm not brave. I'm just trying to follow him and obey and somehow, way, he gives grace upon us if we're called to live and die for him. Listen, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'd be willing to die for Jesus. Well, some people, I doubt it because you're not even willing to live for him now. <laughs> if you can't live for him now, you think you're going to die for him one day? When they got a gun to your head or a sword to your neck? Think about it. Selah. He said, don't be troubled. That word troubled, it, it indicates inward fright. We've all had it. I mean, when you're almost in a car accident or you see a child jumping out in the street unattended, inward fright that results from a shocking occurrence that he described above, the, the things that were going to come upon the face of the earth. And the, the results of those, those shocking things happening, they become nerve-wracking. Listen, we're all on edge, aren't we? On nerve. What... I think, what's going to happen next? Well, hang on, because the next few days or the next week, something else crazy-er happens. My question is, Lord, how long are you going to tolerate this? How long are you going to tolerate that person, Lord? How, how long are you going to tolerate this going on in plain earth? We're shaking our fist in God's face, just daring God to do something, you know? Hey, d d 
the Psalms and the Proverbs says, you know, there comes a time when evil people, they sit there and say, well, God didn't hear. God didn't see. He does. It's amazing the patience, the long-suffering of God, the heart cry of God giving humanity a chance to turn to him. But, you know, most of us are pretty stubborn. Most of it takes us getting backed into the corner where all of our resources run out, don't work anymore, before we say, well, maybe I better pray. Maybe this is a good time to ask the Lord. Maybe this is a good time to claim a national day of prayer. That should have been claimed by the White House a long time ago. I don't mean this current administration. I mean many. This should have been proclaimed a long time ago. Thank God is here today. But it's not just today. It's for us to carry on. It means that inward fright, troubled inward fright, the shock resulting from the nerve-wracking events that are happening so severely that it could cause a person to just be devoured with worry, anxiety, and fear. That's what we've got to stand against. You can't let your mind go there. Paul is confident that these events will not only be a one-time occurrence. I'm sorry, that's not good news. But listen, this is not the final end of all viruses. If you look on the back can of a Lysol can, it tells you what all the viruses it will kill. Do you know that a lot of the common uh, sicknesses and illnesses that two generations ago we found vaccines for and, and you and I never had it, polio and different things and measles and all, all these, you know that it's, it's coming back in different places it's coming back. There's a rise against it again. See, I thought we dealt with that. Listen, <laughs> it's not a one-time occurrence. He, the Greek words and the tense that Paul uses, he points this as an ongoing state of worrying and inner anxiety resulting from all the things that are happening. In other words, it's going to be a simultaneous and consecutive consequential events that are happening, last day events, wars, rumors of war, volcanoes, earthquakes, floods, famines, catastrophes. Uh, you, go, you, you look around everywhere in the world, and that's why we go, I can't take anymore. Turn the news off. And we're overwhelmed on our phone or mobile devices. We're overwhelmed. And he, and he tells us that it's going to come to such a state from all these events happening that that's what we have to fight against. He indicates there's no pause. There's no breath to catch your breath. Isn't that what's going on right now? There's not even, you don't even have time to catch your breath before they say something else has happened. Some other shooting has happened. Some other, some other guy kidnapping and holding in hostage and doing gruesome, horrible, detestable things. It's, how could it get any worse? How could it get any worse than a, than a doctor having aborted fetuses in his trunk as trophies? Oh, if you hadn't heard that, you're way behind. That, that was several months ago. And now with the laws that are lifted and banned, that kind of person is free to act and do whatever they want to do again. I don't hate the people. I'm not mad at them. They need to be saved. They need Jesus. That's their only hope. They're murderers. They need Jesus. They need to be saved just like I needed to be saved. They need to be saved just like you needed to be saved. They need to be saved. Or they're going to spend eternity without God because they've killed people. This really is a good message. It's not all bad, thank God. So it's that ongoing state of worry and anxiety that we've got to fight against that will debilitate us. One scholar translated those words troubled as it causes us to be jumpy or nervous, on edge, sensitive, easily to be offended. You've got to fight that spirit. I have a bad hair day. Those aren't horns coming out. It's just a bad hair day. This is a, what's called a translated paraphrase 
from the actual Greek words, okay? I don't, I don't spring a lot of Greek on you, but this is important. This is a translated paraphrase from the Greek words that uh, people that study Greek put together to help us understand what this verse in Second Thessalonians 2, 2 says. Now, it sounds a lot longer than when we just read that little short verse because it's, a, it's, it's giving the full meaning of the Greek words. And I encourage you, when you study, when you read, don't just be satisfied, well, I read my Bible. Dig in. So here's what it says. Some things will be happening right before his coming that could shake you up quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm referring to events that will be so dramatic that they could really leave your head spinning. Occurrences of such a serious nature that many people will end up feeling alarmed panicked, intimidated, and even unnerved. Naturally speaking, these events could nearly drive you over the brink emotionally. That's where people are. Putting your nerves on edge and making you feel apprehensive and insecure about life. I wish I could tell you these incidents were going to be just a one-shot deal, but when they finally get rolling, the beginning of sorrows, they're going to keep coming and coming one after another. Please hear this. It's emboldened. You see it on the screen. It's emboldened. I emboldened it intentionally. That's why you have to determine not to be shaken or moved by anything you see or hear. You need to get a grip. And this is what the Greek says, translated into our language. You need to get a grip on your mind and refuse to allow yourself to be traumatized by these events. If you let these things get to you, it won't be long until you're a nervous wreck. So decide. Here it is again, intentionality. So decide beforehand you're not going to give in and allow fright to work its way into your mind and emotions until it runs or even ruins your whole life. Paul strongly, the Word, the Spirit, Jesus Christ strongly urges you and I here today in our world, seeing these last day's events beginning to happen rapidly, sequentially happening one after another, repeatedly, rapidly, back-to-back, -back, chain events, to not allow ourselves to be shaken, moved by anything we see or hear. Get a grip on our minds. Refuse to allow ourselves to be traumatized by the events that occur in the world around us or allow fear to control our whole lives. Now, I haven't even touched that scripture. God has not given you and I a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. It says, in, it says in the John epistles at the end that God's perfect love casts out fear. If you don't know it, fear is a spirit. That's why the Bible called it spirit of fear. It's a spirit. It's from hell. It's how the devil intimidates and operates. You know you're a child of God, but he comes to you with doubts. Well, you didn't do all you should do. You weren't here cleaning up early and other people were. You're not much of a Christian. All kinds from that little thing to, to bigger things. Well, you watched that show last night. You know you shouldn't have watched that show. That was not a good show for you to watch. You paid for that movie in your home, and it was, it was X-rated or it was something rated. One PG. You better even watch them PG movies nowadays. But He said, instead of letting these things get to us, which their intention is to rob us of our joy, peace, and victory, we need to be deeply rooted in the confidence of God's promises. Now, I say that, but did you hear that? The way to withstand and the way to overcome is to be deeply rooted 
in the confidence of God's promises. I try to pack every message with Scripture. I try to pack my life every day with Scripture because I need the Word. Because this world's crazy, and it's getting crazier. And crazy is not even a real term for it. It's getting carnal and secular and godless more and more. Antichrist. 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 It's clear that Paul's words about the last days, they're unfolding before our very eyes. Yes and amen. Because of the many different situations that our generation is facing, this scripture and all of the Bible and being a child of God, we must take a stand against fear and stay in faith, trust. But in order for us to stay in faith, I bold in this again, it is imperative. That means you have to do it. If you're going to overcome, if you're going to be, if you're going to be those that endure to the end, those are the ones that overcome. If you're going to be one of those, it is imperative. There is no other way around it. There are no shortcuts. There aren't. People say, well, give me the cleft notes on living to be a child of God successfully in the last days. There are no cleft notes. There are no shortcuts. There is no cheat sheet. It takes prayer and fasting and toughing it out and dying to the flesh and, and believing God no matter what and hanging on for dear life sometimes. It's imperative that we keep our minds focused on the Word of God. Listen, if you and I had to have this memorized, you, I'd be hurting. I don't know about you. I'd be hurting. If I had to commit all this to memory, all of it, I would be hurting. I thank God for the written Word of God. I thank God it's on my phone. When I can't carry this around, I can take my phone anytime, hour, night of the day. Sylvia thinks I'm messing around on the phone or, or just texting. Sometimes I'm looking up scriptures, reading scripture. I've got the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance on my iPhone 7 that still works, hallelujah to God. And I can go to Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and do Bible studies and word searches and feed myself from God's word. Anytime I want, night or day, 24-7. You don't even have to carry a written copy around anymore. The Lord's made it so good for us. But the, it's imperative that our minds, and not just your intellectual mind, your, your mind, you got to get it here before it can get in your spirit. If you'll get it here, and you'll meditate on it, and you'll recite it, and, and if you'll chew on it, if you'll, you'll do what that word says, meditate on it, chew on it, bring it back up, chew on it some more, you know, like the cow thing, it'll get in your spirit. And then when you're faced with something, what, listen, what's in you when you're under pressure is going to come out of you when you're under pressure, good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Listen, if your heart's at peace, your mind will be at peace according to the word. You've got to get your heart at peace. It's, it's not just the absence of turmoil in your mind. It's the trust from your heart that's going to bring peace to you. Verse 16 goes on to say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What's, what do all those words mean? When the word of God, the Bible, the words of God dwell in you richly in your life, it produces peace. Because he's the prince of peace. He doesn't just give peace, he is peace. So much supernatural peace that it'll actually rule your heart. The word rule in the Greek, it describes the umpire, a referee in a basketball game, a referee on the field for a football game, the ump that's behind home plate calling the ball strikes fouls. 
It's that word rule means an umpire that calls all the shots and makes the decisions. When you let God's word rule richly in your heart, your mind and your heart, when you're faced with a problem, with an obstacle, with a challenge, with a difficulty, when you're faced with a decision, when you've got the word in there, the word's going to come out of there and provide direction for the paths of your life. It will be paths of life and blessing. That's what the Lord says. That word ruled in the Greek, it's the umpire. It's when God's word dwells in your heart, that peace of God makes the decisions. Well, I'm thinking about this. And the Holy Spirit says, well, the word says this. Oh, yeah. Then you got to make a choice. Am I going to obey flesh, self, or am I going to obey the word God? You make a choice. You make, he doesn't make you make the choice. He gives you the information. He gives you the conviction. But then you choose. Oh, hundreds of decisions we make a day. Rather than being led by the ups and downs of the day or by what you hear through the news or rumor or gossip, you and I can choose to be ruled by the wonderful peace of God. Listen, when peace, when people look at your life nowadays, this is, this is such a, it's a troubled day. It's a hard day. It's a dangerous day. Paul told Timothy, it's these last days, it's a dangerous, perilous time. It is. It's frightening. When you look at what our kids and our children are going to grow up into, it's like, what's going to happen to them? What's it going to be like when they get to be teenagers or they get to be adults? It's scary. But when you let God's peace rule in you and you dwell in that word of God richly, it's the word it says lavishly. It, it gives, presents the picture that you give the Word of God a reception in your heart. You roll out the red carpet, so to speak, to God's Word. And you just say, Lord, my ways are not good. They're not sufficient. But, Lord, your ways are right. It says that in the Bible. His ways are right because they are. And when you let God's Word, the Bible, His truth have its place of honor inside your heart, mind, and emotions. What it does, it releases that power to stabilize you and keep you in peace, even in the most difficult times. And when people look at your life, this is a golden opportunity for you and I to live as close as we can to Jesus because people are afraid. I know this will go and be broadcast. I've lived here over 25 years in Newport News. Sam's wasn't here when we first moved to Sam's Wholesale. I don't remember when it came here. Some of y'all that Google stuff can tell me later. It wasn't always here. It wasn't here when we first got here in 1994. But anyway, it got, it got here. And all the years I've been going to Sam's to get gas, we, we're having trouble. The church, like you, the church is having trouble. We buy our cleaning supplies and janitorial supplies at Sam's. We've done the company thing or janitory, and it just didn't work for us. So we buy it for Sam's. You can't find it. The little hand sanitizers on the wall. You can't find the packs. They're not even available online. So please one squirt only. Do the old wild root hairdresser commercial little dabble, do you? Just, and in the bathrooms, just, and maybe tear out one sheet of towel per wipe of the hands, of the hands, paper towels. You're not going to be shaking hands with anybody else. I've never in my life, I went to Sam's, because we can't do that, I went to Sam's at 7 o'clock, and I said, well, you know, I'm close, gas is cheaper there, I'll get gas in the car, and I called Pastor Rush, so I called him, I said, Norman, we're having a hard time finding stuff, do you want me to go into Sam's and see what we can find? Yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. Well, I asked the lady at the door, do you have sanitizer? She goes, mm -hmm. 
I said, okay. I said, well, where would it be? Because that's not what I normally shop for. I know what I go for. She said, well, it's down that way. I said, okay. So I got a cart, and I've never seen so many people at 7 a.m. in Sam's Wholesale in Newport News in all my life. They were, they were honking buggies and big old carts and down there. And, I mean, they were beelining it to toilet paper and paper towels and, and Clorox wipes and all that stuff. They were loading the buggies up. And I went, I better grab a hold of some of this stuff. So I got four cases of toilet paper. So we're probably good for a while. And, and, and got, then I then, uh, got what the church, what I could find. And those little uh, containers of Clorox wipes that we use around here today, they come in four little round containers sealed together. Well, I grabbed up two cases of it. There's a lot there. I wasn't trying to hoard or be greedy. I grabbed up two cases. Got to register. register. She said, you can only have two of those little things. I went, Really? She goes, yeah, we, we're having to... I said, okay. So she put the flat and the other two back or took them away from me. And the other lady standing beside her, she said, you can go to the self-check register and you can get more. <laughs> and her partner at the register turned and looked at her and said, no, he can't. <laughs> so I didn't. So I went out and I got gas in the car because I felt like the church, you know, I better go in there because there's a lot of people here. So I went and got to church. I called Sylvia. I said, Sylvia, do we have enough stuff at home if we were under quarantine or something to make it? She goes, no, we don't. And I went, oh, no, I've got to go back in there. <laughs> so I went back in there. I went back to that aisle and I, and I got some stuff for us. And then I got two more. And I knew the limit was two, so I learned that through trial and error. So I got two more of those, and I went to a different cash register. <laughs> I didn't hoard anything. I bought what was legally available. So, uh, and then I gave one of those to the church, so the church had more, so we took one home. That's all we'll need. You know, it's stuff you'll need. I I'm not encouraging you to hoard or be... F you can't even find stuff in a grocery store. This is, this is... I mean, we're used to this during hurricane threat. But this is all over the nation. Store shelves are cleared and empty and cannot get it. We can't get stuff online and don't know when. So I'm real serious about use things in moderation around here. And I feel kind of bad saying this, but it's here for all of us to use. So it's not here for you to take home with you. I don't mean that. I don't mean it ugly, but I do mean it because it's here for all of us and not... Well, hey, we need this at home. I can't find this. I, I just, I fight whether I should say that or not. So forgive me if that offended you, but I have a term for that that I won't repeat here in the pulpit. It's not cursing. It's just an oxymoron. I don't, Christian thieves, I don't understand that. They're there. They're, 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 on, they're on the loose, aren't they? Christian thieves. I don't get it. I mean, I'm not going to hell for a thing of hand sanitizer because it's stealing. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. It needs to be said. There's no doubt we're living in the very end of the last days. Amen. But here's the good news. You and I, we are a chosen generation. You say, oh, I wish I lived back in the Bible days. <laughs> I want to tell you, honey, get a grip and get a clue. You're in the Bible, Bible, Bible days called the last days. You're in the time that all the prophets looked 
towards and prophesied about. If it wasn't about Jesus coming, it was about his second coming, and it was about enduring to the end. Those that endure to the end will be saved. You are in the Bible days. You're in the heat of the battle. You're on the front line. You're in the culmination of all time. And God chose for you to be alive in this very moment, this very day, to make a difference. And if you're going to keep your heart fear-free, you have to live in continual peace. So you have to make, you've got to decide, you've got to choose to make a firm commitment to let God's word rule, reign, be the umpire, call the shots, make the decisions in your life, in your heart. And God's word will protect your mind and it will keep the fear from working its way into your emotions, turning you into an emotional, fearful mess. This, when I found this scripture years ago, oh boy, did it ever convict me. It's a, it's a one-liner from the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You talk about a zinger that hit me in the heart. If I faint in the day of adversity, all it's telling me is I have not put in the time with the Lord, and I don't mean time clock, I have not put in the relationship with the Lord that I need to build myself up and make myself strong in the Lord. That's what it's saying. If, you're, if you faint in the day of adversity, and we're in the day of adversity, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength's too small. That means you, mean you need to step it up with your encounter with the Lord. Listen to this, Proverbs eleven eight. Lovers of God are snatched away from trouble. I volunteer for that one, Lord. But the wicked show up in their place. <laughs> I'm not laughing at those that are wicked. My heart prays for them. I'm not their judge. They can change. Prayerfully, they will receive the Lord. But if they don't, they're going to end up, they're going to end up absent from the kingdom of God. Let me just say that. Listen to Psalm 56. I love this. We, I love it all, but I love the word. Psalm 56, 3 and 4 and then 10 through 13. When I am afraid, let's be honest. We get afraid. We get afraid for ourselves. We get afraid for our kids. We get afraid for people. We get afraid. We get afraid of things that are happening. It's a fearful day. Paul said it was. He told Timothy, it's, it's, a, it's a perilous, dangerous time, the last days. It's going to evoke fear. But fear is not to rule over us. Fear is a spirit and you tell that spirit to get under your feet because it's under Jesus' feet. And because Jesus is in you, you can order that spirit of fear to get under your feet. And you can rule and reign over it and not let it reign and rule over you. When you have the God's word ruling and reigning in your heart and your mind. When I'm afraid, what are you going to do? I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. In all respect to government leaders, they do not have the answer. It's been proven. They don't have the answer. You can throw billions, trillions at it. It still doesn't fix brokenness of soul and spirit. I'll put my trust in you, Lord, when I'm afraid. In God whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? You know the reality of this? All man can do to you is kill you, but you can't destroy your soul and your spirit. Only God has that authority, Scripture says. All man can do, the worst man can do to you and I as a child of God is punch our ticket to go home. I'm not trying to be crude or mean or, and listen, we, we, 
I know we scrap for life, and that's, that's part of our human, human, humanity. Humanity is we scrap for life, and we're sick, and we fight for life, and we want to go to the doctor, and we want to take this, and we want to get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. But listen, what if you do die? You win. Now, it's our loved ones that we're worried about. We're leaving them behind, and, and the rest of us got to try to take care of them and encourage them. They're the ones that suffer. But for the one that's gone on, they are free. They have stepped into the eternal glory that God breathed breath into them to be able to experience and enjoy forever and ever. In the presence of the Lord, there is joy forevermore. That word joy doesn't just mean he, he, ha, ha, happy. It means just an unfulfilled, an, an, an ever-fulfilled, overflowing abundance of never-ending satisfaction in the presence of the Lord. Wow. You know, if we're lined up a bus out there getting ready for people, people to go today, they say, well, I want to go to the Lord. I want to go be with the Lord, but you know, no, I'm not ready today. Well, the Lord knows your time. You can shorten it, but don't. Take care of yourself. Physically, spiritually, do that. I'm going to mess with your diet. Take care of yourself. What can mere man do to me? Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul, mind, will, emotions from death. Indeed, my feet, you've delivered my feet from stumbling so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Get that word in your heart. So many powerful words from the Lord. Psalm 57, 1. Be gracious to me, O God. Be gracious to me. Why? For my soul takes refuge in you. A hiding place. Refuge. Refuge is like a retreat. It's a place of rest. It's a place where you can find calm. In the presence of the Lord, you can find calm. You can find peace. You can find refreshment. You're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find it in a new boat, new car, new wife, new husband, new children. It's there for a while. It's temporary. And it's, it's just not meant to totally satisfy us like the refuge of the Lord is. In the shadow of your wings, that's kind of a reflection of Psalm 91 that we're going to get to. In the shadow of your wings, I'll take refuge, listen to this, until destruction passes by. Are you scared today? Are you fearful today? Get in the shadow of the shelter of the refuge of the Lord who loves you so much he sent his son to die for you, continues to cleanse you with his blood until the storm passes by. That's what this world is. It's a storm. It's going to pass by. I want to tell you a story. I want to close with this. Psalm 91. So many good scriptures I've shared with you today. And this is just, this is just a, what they call a smattering or a few samples. These are things that I've discovered in this past week reading through the Bible every, every year. Oh, I've just fallen in love with it. I, I can't live without doing this daily. Because when I read stuff like that, I'm just, I don't need to be afraid. I need, to, I need to use my head and take precautions, and I'm doing all that, and, and, and doing things we should have been doing anyway. Just, just, you're supposed to wash your hands after you go to the restroom. You're supposed to wash your hands. You're supposed to eat right. You're supposed to take care of yourself. You're supposed to do that anyway. But when I read his words, and if, I do, if I do what I'm supposed to do and don't do stupid stuff and don't do crazy stuff, the Lord's going to take care of me. I'm not afraid to hug you. I mean, I'd be kissing you a lot. I don't do that anyway. There's one I do, but 
I'm just not into that. That's not what I should do probably. So I won't start. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not afraid to shake your hands. I'm just honoring that, bumping, elbowing, nodding, waving. But every day, Psalm 91 is what's called the warfare psalm. Now listen to this story. This is powerful. I, I have been searching for a story to share with you about God prote- God's protection during dangerous times. And Rabbi Eric preached uh, Friday night Shabbat service, and he shared his notes with me. And he had, whoa, he's got, he had some wonderful things. If you go back and watch that message from Friday night, but this is me. I couldn't just give you his message. God had already stirring in me and already changed my direction for the service today. And this is just, this is what had to come through me and came out of me. But I did, I did excerpt this and this story out of his message, which is history anyway. But it's Psalm 91 is a warfare song. Those of you that are in the military will recognize this. But during World War I, soldiers in the 91st, that's spelled wrong, but it is in my notes. In the 91st Brigade, they agreed. That in the 91st Brigade, they agreed to recite Psalm 91, the soldier psalm daily. They agreed to do that, that whole brigade. The 91st Brigade was engaged in three of the bloodiest battles of World War I. Chateau Thierry, uh, Bella Wood, and Argonne, if I'm saying that right. Hope I am. While other you listen to this. While other units suffered, or similarly, I'm sorry, while other units similarly engaged had up to 90% casualties. I read the statistics on World War I. Millions of lives were lost in World War I. It's incredible, the carnage. It's incredible from all the nations that were involved. But other units engaged had up to 90% casualties. Listen to this. The 91st Brigade did not suffer a single combat-related casualty. I don't know if all of them were saved, but it evidently obviously didn't matter. There was enough of them that had sense to put their trust in the Lord and declare His Word over them and their buddies, combat buddies, that not a, not a casualty in that 91st Brigade was lost. Wow. Won't you stand with me this morning? We're going to I think it takes two to three slides, and I hope it's large enough for you to be able to read. If you'll go to that, David, 91st Psalm. And I want to encourage you, along with these other scriptures, and you can find my notes, like I said, online. You can find them in your Bible with your concordance yourself. And that Strong's Concordance I mentioned, there is, there, go to your app. There is a free version, but it's not complete. I forget what I had to pay. It may have been $10 for one time, and it's unlimited. I mean, it's amazing. It gives Hebrew, Greek. It, ooh, it's amazing. I love it. But I want us today, as best we can, can you see that from where you are? These are this is my slide, so it, it's not the professionals. So let's try to do this together, and I just encourage you to do this uh, on your own. He, she, who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. There's that word again. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid. Whoa, whoa, slow down. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night 
nor of the arrow that flies by day, listen to this, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Next slide. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord the God made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. Here, did you hear that? Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. The Lord's saying that about you. He shall call upon me and I will answer him or her. I will be with him or her in trouble. I will deliver him or her and honor him or her. With long life, I will satisfy him or her and show him or her my salvation. I think that's it. Wow. Wow. I want to encourage you today. We don't have anything to be afraid of except a fear, reverence, awe of the Lord who's our maker, who's our savior, who is our heavenly father, who is good and who loves us. Just like it said, when, when you put, because he, God was saying that about us, because he or she, us, have set our love upon him, therefore he's going to deliver us. He will set us on high because we have known his name. Do you know him? Do you know him? This is a great time to get to really know him. This is a great time to really just snuggle up closer to him. And when you do, your fears will dissipate and be gone. He loves you. I love you. I want to minister you to God's word. We're going to see victory through this. I want to encourage you about the fast from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Do what God leads you to do. But let's join the global body of Christ universally across this planet. Let's, listen, this is our part. We're not, in the, we're not in the lab trying to create a vaccine. Wow. We're on our knees before the throne, appealing to a God that loves all of humanity and can stay this plague and can use it to draw people to him. He didn't cause it. He didn't send it. But he can use it to humble hearts and draw people to him. I want our prayer teams to come. Today, if you need prayer, today, if you need Jesus, if you need prayer, prayer for your body, uh, prayer for your uh, fear. You say, Pastor, I have been racked with fear. I'm scared for my family. Listen, come lay it and give it to the Lord. Cast all your cares upon him because he really does care for you. We're going to have school of ministry today. It's not canceled. Somebody thought it was canceled and send out some kind of word. It's, can't, it's not canceled. As a matter of fact, they encourage us to meet in smaller groups. That's what school of ministry is. Just keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> and uh, enjoy the word. Enjoy the fellowship. But if today, if you have a need for prayer, these altars are open to you today. We love you, Sylvia, and I love you. I know the staff love you. Pastor Josue is down there teaching the children's church today. Pastor Greg and them, and I think even Pastor JR, they went on a little vacation time. So uh, 
We just bless the Lord today. We love you. God bless you today. If you have a need of prayer, you come, and then you're dismissed for a school of ministry Bible study this Wednesday unless something just happens to where we have to notify you. Watch the email or the, the app and the messages that we send out or the website, and we'll let you know that, that I call the church office. We're here working. We're not vacating. We're not running away. We're here to stay in Jesus' name.